Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner co-hosts here that talk with you regularly, but we have a special guest with us today, and I would dare say a very special guest. So Wesley Smith, I know you go by Wes, but I want to introduce you formally and officially today. So Wesley is a client of ours, and we want to invite him on the podcast to tell his story and really just be able to showcase what you're doing in your life with Infinite Banking. So Wes, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I've, I've been listening to you guys' this podcast for a couple of years, so nice to be here. Very awesome. Well, Bruce, what what thoughts do you have kind of before we jump into the conversation? Yeah, you know, Rachel, you know, we try to service business owners as much as possible. Um, and I think, you know, we all fall into, especially the last couple of years with, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but with with the COVID situation, we all kind of fall into this. If we not, if we're not really careful with our mindset, we all fall in this kind of a, a doom and gloom kind of situation. And then when you throw in government interventions and so on and so forth, all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of hard to be upbeat. Um, but I think what Wes brings to the table every time I talk to Wes, Wes is upbeat, and I think the reason Wes is upbeat. It's because he's a true entrepreneur in his mindset. And he knows that he has talents and he's always working on his talents. He's always working on the business. He's always looking for other ways to actually control things in his life. And he says then to himself, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but I mean, Wes can probably then verify this. He says, I don't care whatever everything else is going on out there. I'm taking control of the situation and I'm going to make it happen. And that is why I am positive that going forward in our nation, our country, we've proven this over and over again, that business owners actually lead um, the society in the way it's going to be, it's going to happen and how it's going to be successful. So Wes is going to share some of the ways he thinks and and how his business goes and how he uses his infinite banking concept. And I'm really thinking it's going to be a very beneficial show for everybody. Absolutely. And so... Before we kind of get started, I know that if you're listening to the show, you probably are thinking a little bit across the grain of the status quo. You're probably in a position where you do, like Wes and like Bruce and like myself and like everyone else who we've had on the show, think a little differently and want to be in financial control. Chances are you're probably a business owner or you're looking to start a business or you're going towards business ownership. And chances are you're probably an investor of some kind as well. And specifically, you're probably very interested in real estate investing. So there's a lot of commonalities that we see in people who are very interested in taking control of their financial life. So just to um, share a few of those things off the top, um, Wes, I know that you're a real estate investor. You're a business owner. We're going to talk about both of those things. You're a husband. You're a father. And you're a great guy who is really taking control of your life. And so let's go ahead and kind of lay out some of the backstory of who you are from your own words. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, I, I guess I'll get started with, um, I started back uh, in the professional career, I guess, back in the mid 2000s. We won't get into the specific uh, years there, right? Time goes by so fast. But I got started basically doing, uh, I worked for my dad's plumbing company at first. He had a, a family plumbing business for 30 years. 
And so I started working for him for three or four years and, and decided that I kind of want to get out into the world and kind of just do something else for a bit, you know, and it's kind of tough working tight knit with the family, but he had a great company. Um, and so I had a friend that had a job in, in telecommunication sales, basically door to door B2B sales. And he was showing me how much money he was making. I said, well, you know what? I think I want to try that. So I got a job doing that. And I think that first sales job really solidified the fact that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, like I already wanted to be anyway. Um, which is the reason why I joined my dad's company. And so, uh, you know, just learning the, to be in that sink or swim environment uh, for month to month to month, every month is a new month, right? Is, is kind of what kind of helps you, I think, learn what you need to be a business owner in general, right? And mm-hmm. so then after that, I saw uh, basically from there, it evolved from being a commission, you know, salary plus commission employee to I saw my friends go out and start an agency selling the same telecommunications services. Uh, making mm. a residual income on those contracts instead of just making a one-time commission. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty good. Start doing the math and you go, wow, every year I'm going up five grand, six grand a month, 10 grand, 15 grand. Okay. So I do this three or four years and I've got a pretty good residual income. So I decided after about six years to do that with them, they gave me a great pass through under their brokerage. And so built built some good residuals doing that for a while, but it was kind of a slow go and I still wasn't in total control of my destiny. Um, and so during that period, my mom and I, I've always been interested in real estate investing. So I read tons and tons of books, just really wanted to get into it, was chomping at the bit. And this was right during the peak uh, of the real estate boom, right? About uh-huh. 07, 08. And we bought a couple of properties that we thought we did okay with. Well, we actually did. I mean, they cash flowed, but then the market bottomed out, you know, two years later. So what do you, you, know, you can't really foresee that coming up. Uh, but we learned a lot during that process. And more importantly, we learned how to do marketing. Uh, to find motivated home sellers to call us, to go on appointments, to structure deals and make offers and things like that. So after coming out of that, the bottom, we started buying and wholesaling some, you know, where you put them under contract and you sell it to another investor that wants to buy and rehab it or buy and hold it for a rental. And so we were making money on contract assignments and things like that. And then we started doing uh, retail or, you know, basically rehabbing the property. So we would actually close on it. And that's when I got my um, you know, first, first taste of dealing with banks and qualifying for loans and hard money and all of that stuff that you got to do, jumping through hoops on one leg with a bag over your head for the bank or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, all of that was just a tough process, you know. So we learned how to kind of you know creatively structure deals with, with wholesalers directly. Uh, and during that time, I learned digital marketing. I learned SEO, websites, conversions, pay-per-click ads, and all of that stuff. So I really enjoyed that. And my mom and I still run that real estate investing business today, but the prices are kind of crazy at the moment. So we've taken a small break. We're just managing our portfolio at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, I started a digital marketing agency. And um, that was about 2014 or 15. And then we started niching into just working with tree service companies who are kind of that growing type tree service company that want to you know, keep the phone ringing, get their internet marketing right. So that's kind of my backstory of business and kind of how I got to where I am today. Well, you have sure learned a lot along the way. And I think that's true of anyone in business as well. There's those changes of direction that you don't foresee when you start, but you learn so many new skills that it provides this equipping to be able to go in a direction that really is that focused pathway. And it's really interesting that you have landed in not just digital marketing for anybody, but you've really niched down to a tight space that you're able to provide that very streamlined, very focused service. And so you've definitely um, shown that just through that business process, you've definitely grown tremendously. So thank you for walking us along that backstory. That's fascinating in and of itself. So where in this process did you first come across the idea of infinite banking? You mentioned that you stumbled into it almost by accident. So let's hear that story. 
That's correct. I've heard a lot of people say the same thing too. And it really is, a, it was almost an accident. So my brother, interestingly enough, who's younger than me said, Hey, I think you need to look at these uh, whole life insurance policies. This was probably six or seven years ago. Gosh, probably it was after I was married, but I think right after I had my son and he's almost six, so it was probably 2016 timeframe. And so he set me up with a captive agent, somebody who represents one of the largest uh, mutual carriers uh, uh, in the, in the country. And great guy talked to him, ended up buying a policy because, you know, you need one when you're married, you have kids. And, mm-hmm. and so you, you, you think about it. And really that, that thought, I don't think comes up into your brain before that happens. For some reason, we're just all like kind of just conditioned to not even think about life insurance one bit until we get married, and have kids. And then all of a sudden everybody's beating their door down talking about life insurance to you. So that's yeah. kind of how I got introduced to it. And so I bought a policy and I started paying the premiums. And I was just unsure of where my money was going when I paid the premiums, right? I just mm-hmm. had no idea what was going on. I was like, I'm paying this amount, but yet I've only got this amount in cash value after paying my premiums. So what's, what's the deal here? Like what, you know, where's this money going? So after about a year and a half, I really just made it. And I would talk to my agent. He's great. He was always telling me what's going on and this and that, but it just didn't sink in. I couldn't grasp it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to learn this. And so I went on a mad search, like a lot of people, you get in all these internet rabbit holes, whether it be YouTube or Google search or whatever. <laughs> and around that same time, I think I found you guys' uh, business owner guide uh, where I downloaded oh, it. Oh, yeah. At some point, I think you probably still have that, right? Where you can download it, read about it. Yeah. And so, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm trying to and think so- if that was the cash flow generator. There was one thing that we had way, way a long time ago, but there was also the entrepreneur's guide to something, I think, or another. Yeah. um, Okay. It was probably the entrepreneur's guide to um, infinite banking. Yes. And how to make your money work in two places at the same time. Yes. That's Yeah. And so it's very, very helpful. It just, it just created this easy to look at visual to kind of know what's going on with these policies Mm -hmm. and how to store your money and all that stuff. So I kind of had that and then I was looking for more. So I found, you know, all these YouTube channels and different things like that. And that's where I ran across infinite making concept. And so once mm-hmm. I found that um, and I ordered Nelson's book, uh, Becoming Your Own Banker, after reading that book, it was as clear as day what I needed to be doing for the rest of my life with all of my savings and the money, right? Because I had been down the road of corporate jobs and having 401ks and just having that pit feeling in my stomach that, wow, this is nice to have this account over here, but I can't do anything with this money for the next 35, 40 years. Like, what am I going to do if I come across a real estate deal and I need access to 50 or 100,000 or whatever the case may be? And you just really can't do that with a retirement account like you can with infinite banking policies or whatnot. So after learning about all that stuff, I just kept on reading and reading and reading. And I probably read a dozen books on the topic. I just really liked it because I had more control of the money that I was putting in there. And so, you know, along the way that, you know, when your income rises, you can kind of keep adding more policies. And so I had a, you know, just like I said, a captive agent at first and just kind of kept moving along with that. And um, kind of once I learned the process, then, you know, I wasn't afraid to kind of start more policies. Um, I guess I'll stop right there if you guys have any questions about that part. Yeah. Well, one the one of the things, um, Wes, that I think, probably a lot of the, the listeners you made one comment which is which is kind of true but some of them are real estate investors are going well no 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 you could use your retirement if you self-direct you know an ira for real estate and i frankly you know i i try to tell people i would stay away from that mm-hmm. um for well first of all if you're still at your company you can't use the 401k for to do that um 
and self-direction, just, just to clarify for all the listeners, self-direction comes with a lot of paperwork. And if you do it properly, I've seen a lot, lot of nightmares with that. And the other thing that I don't like with real estate, and you, you certainly, you and your mother certainly understand this, and I understand it because I own real estate. It's tax deferral when it's in a self-directed IRA, but it's actually a tax deduction. Um, to you know now in this in this tax year when you're doing it with after tax money, and that is a very important concept for people to understand, in my opinion, because especially in, the, in our high interest rate environment that we're going into right now, inflationary environment, a dollar today is worth more today than it's going to be worth in the future. So if you can capture those deductions now, so you have more real money to use now rather than tax deferring into the future where, oh, by the way, there's no promise that there will be higher taxes in the future, then that is just a concept that I think a lot of people need to uh, wrap their heads around because they're getting that story about tax deferred, tax deferred, and you can self-direct it for real estate. And I frankly, I mean, you do whatever you want to do, obviously, but I think uh, people need to stay away from that. So, well, and I did that too. I, I also did have a self-directed uh, IRA and I did that. I made my own investments, had some uh, private lending going on. But as soon as you get those notes due and you, you collect back and get your principal back, you still got to actively find things to make a return on. And that can become exhausting if you're already a business owner, or if you're already busy doing other things, right? So then, then it just sits dormant in your account unless you have it out there put to work. Whereas with the infinite making policies, you're at least earning a good four or 5% tax deferred uh, every year without doing anything. So I like that aspect better. Plus you're getting the death benefit, you're getting everything else included, the liquidity and everything else. So that's that's the reason why I wanted to kind of go that direction too. Yeah, I, you know, and I tell people if that's the only if that's the only capital they have, then maybe that's what you do to get started self-directing. But I just tell people be very, very careful because I've it's one of the benefits of being old. You see a lot of things, but it's also the it's also a deterrent from being old because you see a lot of things that have gone wrong too. So, mm -hmm. Hey, so talk about, talk about the uh, process of how you've used your policies to obtain loans, pay back. You're thinking of, you know, you have them on your children, you know, so on and so forth and, and, and why you did all those multiple policies. Yeah. Well, you know, as I kept reading and, and, and increasing my knowledge based on infinite banking concept, it's really, it is infinite, right? You can't really have too many policies. And like Nelson says, you, you can't get too much insurance past the underwriters. They won't let you get it anyway. So you can right. keep trying to qualify and you can keep trying to get more and more, but it's kind of based on your income. It's based on a few other factors. So um, you can get as much as you can get up to that point. And every time you, you start making more money, of course, you can open up more policies. So that was my line of thinking was, I'm not to the point where I can pay my income in premiums that, that, that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, but as much as I can possibly pay is where, where I'm at today. And so, you know, once you outgrow the first policy and you notice that you're building up some additional savings, it, it's time to open up a second one. And mm -hmm. I really like prepaying policies for a year or two in advance. But if you get to the point where you're prepaying all of them, you may as well open up a new one and start that instead of prepaying everything early. So you start making more money, and, and so the way I've done it is, is just every time I, I have an additional cash flow, I just make sure I open up a new policy because the policies that you opened up several years prior, a couple of years prior, if you continue to fund those with your, your base premium plus the paid up additions, you know, you're really funding them max over the first several years. So if you get to a point where maybe you have reduced cash flow for a year or two, 
it's not going to be a problem. You've already been funding those for several years. Your newer ones, you want to concentrate on maybe funding those with the paid up additions. And then the old ones, you can just drop down to your base premium or even take a policy loan to pay the premium for a few years if you need to. So if once you wrap your head around kind of how to use them and, and how they're, you know, they're, they're, they're very versatile, right? Mm. It's not like you're just completely locked in with a payment for the next 20 years. You can go paid up if you get to a point where you don't want to pay any more premiums. You can elect to have the dividend pay the premium at some point down the road if you want to. So there's a lot of different things you can do with them. They're very versatile. And then the way that I use them is, is hey, we had, you know, we bought a new house a couple of years ago. Uh, in the backyard, we wanted to remove six or eight trees, you know, lay side back there. So we use the policy loan to do that, uh, slowly paying that off. Uh, and I just want to make sure I've always got plenty of savings to pay my initial premiums every year. Mm-hmm. And I take policy loans towards the cash value whenever it's time to do like some sort of like house upgrade, which you can find a house upgrade to do, you know, once a week if you look for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're, we're trying to kind of keep those on a minimum at this point. But yeah, it's, um, you know, we've used it for all different types of things. I mean, um, trips, you know, you want to go on a nice vacation, do it that way. And if I know that all my premiums are paid, then I can, you know, reduce the policy loan uh, as I see fit. And the greatest part about the policy loan feature, and you guys have talked about this a hundred times, there is no payback schedule, right? Mm-hmm. There is no fixed monthly payment that I've got to commit to, like there would be with a home equity line of credit or a personal loan. And there's no time frame that I have to pay it off. So if I get a chunk of money, I can pay it off tomorrow. If I need to wait three years to pay it off, I can wait three years to pay it off. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I use it. We love the flexibility of that. Ah, oh, there's so much uh, that you're talking about, all of the things that we share, but you're you're packing it into the practicals of how you're actually using it. So mm-hmm. um, have you used your policies then to invest in real estate as well? Not yet. So that's okay. kind of the next item on the list is now that I'm building this capital and it's getting you know sufficient now where we can, you know, I can start kind of doing that. So my thoughts are is probably create another business entity for like personal holdings and things like that. So what I would do in that instance is usually probably just take a, uh, you know, a, a, a policy loan for a down payment for a property, mm-hmm. um, perhaps a small multifamily property or something like that, that cash flows and I take the cash flow to pay down the policy loan. And then once I pay down the policy loan, I've got both my cash values back stored to hundred percent. And then I've still got the asset there to cash flow for the rest of my life. If I want to keep it or refinance it down the road when the equity increases, if I increase the rental rates or whatever. Uh, and then I can take that cash out refinance to pay off the policy loan that I took out you know, several years prior. So I think it's just knowing that maybe you've got a windfall coming down the road. Uh, and a good book to kind of know how to use that is the Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, Nelson's second book, which kind of teaches you that. If you anticipate you've got some windfalls coming, maybe selling a property or two or selling a business, then don't be afraid to capitalize policies and take a few policy loans here and there because eventually you're going to sell the assets, going to produce free up a lot of cash, which you can then take and pay off policy loans. But you can't go back 10 years ago and start a new policy. So you may as well start them, you know, earlier than later. Um, so that's yeah, kind that's of the doing. that's the entrepreneurial thinking because you definitely are looking at you know that you're creating a bigger future than you have right now. And because you have the capital, it gives you the capability to do so much more, which is the reason why you're saying there's flexibility, there's versatility in having multiple policies. There's just a lot more options that you have because there's multiple pockets of cash that you can grab and use for anything. You're talking about trips and home upgrades. You can also use them to invest in real estate as you're talking about, or buy a new business or invest in your business or pay for marketing in your business or hire that employee that you need in your business to be able to grow and any one of those things is an investment. You're thinking of a bigger future than you have today, which is then going to increase your cash flow 
increase your ability to repay loans and free up that capital again, or increase your cash flows that you can fuel and fund new policies. So Rachel, one of the things I want to just clarify for our listeners, because first of all, I get I got goosebumps listening to Wes because Wes really understands what's going on. But just like me sometimes as an educator, because I, I feel like I educate all our clients, sometimes I know it so well, I don't necessarily convey the thoughts properly so that a neophyte could understand it. So one of the things Wes said was he prepays his policies. Well, that mm-hmm. means that means something different to everybody else. Some people think overfunding with the PUAs is prepaying the fund your policy, and it is. Okay, there's a, because like Wes said, what you could do then is just go down to your base premium, or frankly, you can actually take a loan to pay the premium. And there's another one which he didn't uh, um, actually mention is where you could actually reduce the volume of the the just the death benefit on the PUAs that's equal to the amount of PUAs you've made in in the past to pay this this uh, uh, premium. But what Wes is really talking about is using a feature that most life insurance companies call a premium deposit fund. And a premium deposit fund, for everybody that's wondering, it's actually, think of it as a a, uh, savings account that is outside your policy contract, but your money is sitting at the life insurance company. Now, for you storing that money for future premiums, the life insurance company actually gives you interest. Well, they do it two different ways, depending on the life insurance company and depending on the contract. They'll either give you interest on that, which by the way, that interest is taxable because it's not within the contract, or they will reduce the premium that would have been equal to the interest that they gave you. So they kind of give you a little break on the premium, depending on, once again, depending on the company, depending on the product, so on and so forth. However, what I've noticed with these new designs, because uh, we've talked about this, uh, the last couple of years, there, in 2020, we had the companies all came out with new products uh, because the mortality tables changed. And then in 2021, the, the, new, uh, uh, the new MEC limits came out. So that as of January 1st this year, the new MEC limits came out. So they changed all the products again. In doing that, many of the companies now have changed their premium deposit funds on their new contracts, not their old contracts. They can't do that. That's what Nelson used to always say. It's a contract. You cannot change it. So, But the new contracts, they still have these features, but they're more limiting. Mm. So example, you if you put the premium deposit fund in the old contracts and before your anniversary date comes up where your premiums do, if you want a portion of all or all that back, you can get it back mm. and then just use it for another project. And then of course you got to come up with the premium on your anniversary date. However, the new, most of the new companies are saying, once you prepay it, if you take it back, we actually close that rider. And the reason they do it is because what they were finding is these insurance companies were paying 1% savings rates at the insurance company and people were using it like the bank, putting it in, getting that 1%, taking it out and using it for other things rather than their premium. And it was too much administrative costs and it was too much expense for the insurance company. So now they say, hey, the true intention of this was for future premiums. That's why we call it the premium deposit fund. But people were using it like a bank, taking it in and out 
and it was causing too many expenses for the insurance company, so they put some restrictions on it. So, so just Bruce, in case, yeah, just in case it, people are wondering what the, what he was talking about, I wanted to clarify that. Yeah, and so on that note, so Bruce, is it true that even with the new MEC limits and the new policy tables, are the premium deposit deposit funds still a better rate of interest if you put your money there than in the typical bank savings account? It, it is, but here's the thing: I'm I'm actually. I obviously, because I educate people on the contracts, I tell them that provision. But because if you're going to want to control your money, right? And that's what most of our entrepreneurs mm-hmm. want to do. They want to control your money. If you're going to put it in and then all of a sudden you're going to need have a need for it before the next premium and take it out and the writer closes anyway, why even start the process? Right. You know, let's find someplace else to store that money that might be working for you until your premium comes this there's been so many changes there's been so many changes the last two years that sometimes Wes, you know you're talking to like your brother or you're talking to your friend or look you know looking over the neighbor and talking to them and they say hey i got this and then they go and research it they say well it doesn't work like that is Wes not telling me the truth i'm i'm saying no Wes is telling you what he has Mm -hmm. but they've changed the contract Mm-hmm. And they always change the contracts. What's better for both parties? Because that's what that's what a true economy does, right? So it's it's better for the insurance company, but it's also better for the uh, the policyholder. That's what the President Trump administration when they chump, when they change the MEC limits, you actually have access to more cash early on in the contracts, but the death benefits were lower, so there's less liability on the insurance company. But the policyholder actually gets access to more cash value early, so there's a trade-off. It's best for both both companies. So, so I, have I just a wanted question. to clarify that, so that for, so our listeners didn't get uh, too confused over the if they yeah, have to drop the rider. That's really good, and I think you know the whole idea, though, Wes, that you shared that you're thinking about in advance. I have this growing capital. You're not just thinking about next month, though, or next year. You're thinking ahead not only for paying premiums this year, but you're saying, how can I make sure that if I'm going to start a new policy, I've got enough premium to handle a couple of years of premium payments. And you're also thinking the same way that my husband and I think in our policy ownership, that if I know I'm going to be using this policy and taking loans from it, I want to make sure that I have cash flow or cash available to repay those loans as well. If you dedicate all your capital to the policy, then you could say, well, now I've taken a loan. Where's the cash going to come from to repay that loan? And if it's for an expense like a vacation that's not going to produce cash flow in your life, you're going to want to make sure that you already have that cash set aside. So I just wanted to point out that that really responsible thinking that you have as you're managing your cash flow really well and being a good steward of your resources saying how do i do the most with this money but how do i think about all of the needs the cash needs that are going to come with this commitment yeah so mm-hmm. absolutely so, so wes let's take it another step further so how do you, what's your thinking specifically on ensuring your wife ensuring yourself ensuring your kids where where is your thinking at with who you're putting policies on? Well, I think just diversification of capital and savings is is a good idea anyway. And so I think with me, I think I've got I think at this point it's four with a fifth in the works. My wife, there's two policies, and then each 
child has one on themselves. And the ones for the children are going to be kind of their college funding account, maybe first car account type thing like that. So once it gets time for a first car, we maybe buy the car with a policy loan and pay that back. Once they start going to school, use that for some tuition, things like that. And also with some of our own policy loans, but it's really set up for, you know, when you look at these illustrations and how long they're going to be in play, you say, well, I'm just not going to be afraid to put all of my money in these things. So if that's the case, then, you know, may kind of spread that out, you know, over pretty much everybody in your, in your family, because you can only get so much on one person anyway. Mm -hmm. And so these also, you know, create individual accounts where I've read a few books too, as well, where you can kind of earmark one of these policies for, you know, your, your, your car loans, when you go pay cash for a car, you can use it for a car, you know, another mm -hmm. one, maybe college funding, another one, maybe home repairs or home renovations. Another one could be college funding, like we're doing for the kids. And so when you, when you look and see the amount of time, these things are in existence, it's not five years from now. It's not 10 years from now. It's not 15 years from now. It's 30 years. It's 40 years down the road that these are going to be active and in force you start looking at, wow, you know, once I get to that point where maybe, maybe I don't want to, you know, work as hard as I do now, I don't, I don't think I'll ever just completely stop working, but maybe I work part-time, do consulting or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I want to start reversing some of the premiums I've been paying in, you know, back in, the, in my pocket as income down the road at some point, well, then you've got that option, right? You get that flexibility. And so you just know, like, as you continue to put your money in these policies, that it's yours, it's going to continue to grow. And the life insurance companies have been around five times longer, six times longer than I have already. So mm -hmm. do I think they're going to be around another 30, 40, 50 years? Absolutely. You know, they're the most frugal people with money, uh, organizations. Um, they have the most conservative investments, all those different things. So I know that they're going to be, they're going to be, you know, there when I need it the most. Mm -hmm. And so I like the idea of, what I've been looking into it is, you know, you, you just keep storing all of your money in these policies. As we continue to make more income and have more savings accrue, we just keep starting new ones. And they come with all these additional benefits that you would have to pay extra for if you have a traditional retirement account, um, long-term care insurance, any of these other riders that they just come with by default anyway, when you buy an IBC type policy, mm -hmm. you would have to pay extra for those things. And those are more risky because what if you don't need a long-term care policy, which you've been yes. paying into for 20 or 30 years. Whereas with these policies, you just get that by default a lot of times with the riders that come with them. So there's just so many moving parts. And another thing that I want to mention too, that you guys had a podcast episode, I don't know if it was a year, maybe more about um, reverse mortgages and the, and the scenario where you can use that in, in, in kind of in with your death benefit, right? So I started thinking about that. I was like, well, most people's largest asset they have paid off in retirement is their house, maybe their house poor and they're I mean, they're house rich, but they're cash poor, mm -hmm. where you can use that reverse mortgage strategy because you've got so much death benefit with these whole life policies where you don't have to maybe pay yourself as much of the, um, you know, the, the, the policy income. You can have some of it coming from your reverse mortgage. And so I like the strategy of maybe having a, the lifetime annuity with your, with your equity coming in every single month. And then in addition to that, your cash value, maybe, you know, you know pulling income from your policies in addition to that. So if you do, you know, pass away, you're, you're giving your heirs this house, yeah, it's got a loan on it, but they're going to have plenty of death benefit to pay that off if they want to keep the house instead yes. of just, you know, inheriting a house with a big mortgage on it. And they don't want it anyway. So I think all these strategies and everything, there's just so many moving parts and good ideas and things that it just gives you more control and flexibility for your future, honestly, you know, so that's why I do it. And I know yeah. why I'm doing it. And um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, I so love the long-term, the long-term thinking. Say, I want to point something out, but you go ahead, Bruce. No, no, I was just, you know, this is this is why I really wanted to have Wes on the show because 
Wes is actually thinking long term. And Nelson preached that over and over and over mm-hmm. because he was a forester by trade. You know, he always used to say, you know, and, and I've said this on the pro- podcast a, a million times, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 70 years ago, but the second best time to tr- plant a tree is today. Mm-hmm. So get you, get moving on this thing. The other thing, uh, just to espouse, because I know, I know Wes is a Nelson Nash fan. I'm a huge Nelson Nash fan. I mean, he was my mentor, for God's sake. Same. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that Wes is talking about is, you know, you're always going to have capital available. You're going to have, and if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have influxes of cash. I'd just like to uh, tell the listeners what happened in a think tank uh, the year before Nelson died, which is, I think, was three years ago now. The, the think tank, every year, the Nelson Nash Institute has a think tank, which I'm going to in two weeks. And Nelson, or David Stearns, who's Nelson's son-in-law, who now owns the company, um, was talking about how Nelson called him into his office one day and said, uh, David, do you have any loans out on your policies? And he goes, oh, man, he goes, I, my wife and I just took $500,000 out of all of our policies a couple of years ago, and we did a, re- a complete remodel of our house. And I had all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans. And Nelson is always telling people, you'll pay back your loans, pay back your loans. He goes, so I'm really ne- nervous talking to my father-in-law, who's like the guru of the infinite banking system. And he says, yeah, I actually have, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. And Nelson goes, good. I'm about to graduate from this earth. And you're, you, you and my daughter are going to get millions of dollars of death benefit and you have to have some place to store it so you, you now you can pay those loans off so my point is that yes we want you all the time and Wes has this thing we all to have somewhat of a plan to pay policy loans off but one of your plans can be to look and say hey i'm going to have an influx in, in cash in three or four years whether it's selling a piece of real estate which i did several years ago I sold a piece of real estate, had a huge profit, paid the capital gains because my uh, uh, CPA and I talked through that. We said, we don't want a 1031. And I had some policy loans. So I used that. Selling a business is another great one, but inheritances. $60 trillion is flowing from the the baby boom generation, which will be a windfall. Where where are people going to store it? Mm -hmm. Well, they can store it in their special design uh, life insurance contract. So I just wanted to piggyback on that on how you use your policy loans um, to, and then also have a plan to pay it back. But paying it back doesn't mean you have to have a monthly schedule to do it, but you have to be responsible in order to do that. You got to think long-term. You and I talk about long-term thinking all the time and Nelson talked about long-term and obviously Wes, Wes is talking about long-term. So thanks for sharing that, Wes. That's just, that's just an awesome concept for people to understand. Too many of our real estate investors come in and say, I want to capitalize this the first year and then I want to take a complete policy loan and I want to go do this, you know, with it. And I'm like, no, let's capitalize this thing for a couple of years and then let's go do it. And I've actually told him, if you don't want to do it that way, then, you know, go buy your piece of real estate. You're going to have cash flow, then take the cash flow and use it as a monthly premium to start your policy. It's actually better to do it that way, I think, than to just have this mindset. I'm going to take a loan right away and, and go, go buy something with it. You know, so. There's what so else, many, so many yeah, pieces. Ahead, um, I wanted to just point out, if if you do not 
use life insurance and just say you want to still accomplish all the same goals and you say, well, here's my college savings plan for child A. Here's my college savings plan for child B and however many children you have. I have two. Some people have 20. So, you know, <laughs> the, the idea of I have to compartmentalize all of my money and peg it for some future use. What happens when you don't need it for that use, but you wish that you could have used it for something else or you wanted to use it for something else along the way? So the reason that specially designed whole life insurance or infinite banking is so valuable is that you can use it for anything and everything. You don't have to allocate upfront. I'm only going to use this policy for long-term care. And Wes, as you were saying, having an idea in your mind, this is my policy for auto loans. This is one, my policy for college funding. That's a great way to think about it. But if you cho- if you change your mind along the way, you have the flexibility to do that. And you're not beholden to some other organization that says, no, sorry, this is the only thing you can use your policy for. So I just wanted to point that out, how much wisdom there is in providing yourself with the ability to change your mind. Um, and then just the whole idea, go ahead. Um, no, I, I, I know you're going a certain direction. I don't want to go in a different direction. Um, so go ahead and finish. I was just going to say the idea then to think generationally. I mean, you are already starting this with your family. You're thinking about how do I set up my kids for their financial success? So the idea then that you have the ability to not just have one policy that you, Wesley Smith, use, but now you have a system of system of policies. You have an infinite banking system. You're creating this family bank, if you will, that you can decide how you want to use that. You can decide if you're, I don't know if you have sons or daughters. Oh, what son, one daughter. Okay. Okay. There we go. If your son comes to you and says, Hey dad, I want to buy a car. Hey dad, I want to get married. Hey dad, I want to buy a house. Hey dad, I have this investment property I'm looking at. You could say, well, Hey, look, son, you've demonstrated financial responsibility in these years leading up to this request. And I've seen you be profitable with this and this and this and these last five things that I've given you. I'm going to allow you to take a loan, not only from your policy, but also from three of my policies as well to provide the capital that you need for this venture that I believe in. And I believe that you're going to repay. And here's the payback schedule. And here's all the requirements that I have for you to access this family capital. You have the ability to do that because you've set up this system of policies. And so I love that you're thinking about how your kids can be set up for success. Yeah, and I love that too. And so many things you've already mentioned too about you know different options and the flexibility. When you when you put your money and you store your money here, you're not limited to anything. Like you're you're not having to use this money for college education. And, and your kid decides, hey dad, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to start my own business at 20. You're like, oh hey, that's man. great. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. super excited for your kid, but you're like, what am I going to do with this forty thousand dollars sitting in this little child? Um, you know, this this um college funding like account. Twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah. When you try to take it out, you get penalized, and it's like no fault of your own. You try to do the best thing you could, but when you put it over here, there, there's no. Uh, you know, there's no requirement that you use it for anything that you decided you wanted to 20 years ago or 10 years ago. You can use it for anything that you want. And so part of my line of thinking is, is yes, I want to teach my kids how to use this infinite banking strategy. And I do a lot of training videos, just screen share videos and things like that. So I'm, I'm going to probably do that as they get older and show them kind of how to look at an illustration, how to take a policy loan, how to pay that back, what it looks like over 50, 70 years. So I mean, gosh, if I had these you know, started when I was even 20 years old or 25 years old when I first got into my professional career, 
I would already have a couple of these things going and, and they would already be compounding like crazy at this point after funding it for yes. 20 years. Right. So it's like, yes. you always wish you could have started this sooner once you kind of figure it out and you really start seeing it for what it is. It's a whole life contract that's, that's beneficial to you the entire way, not just when you're 59 and a half, not just when you're 70 and you got to take required minimum distributions or whatever. You can use it anytime you want. And if you don't need the income, well, then you don't have to take the money out whenever you, nobody's pushing you to do that because the tax man's not knocking for their, their portion of it. Right. So it's like, well, in today's environment, anyway, things could mm -hmm. change. Nobody knows, but I would just, you know, like the fact that it's flexible. And so, yeah, when you, when you look at a kid's um, whole life policy over 70 or 80 years, it's just amazing what those things can do over that long of a time frame. And, and so teaching them how to use it, teaching them how to pay back policy loans, teaching them how to use it for college funding or anything they want, down payment on a house, anything like that is just, I think it's just largely beneficial to show people and, and even your kids and, and it's a self-sustaining system, yes. right? So it, it just keeps replenishing itself and you've always got liquidity. You don't have to be beholden to the banks, which is very tough. And I went through that whole process with real estate investing and, and still do sometimes. So not having to do that at a certain point in your life is a huge benefit because the velocity of money, if you find a deal or if an opportunity knocks on your door, is mm -hmm. more important than you know a lot of other things. Like the quicker you can access the capital, and just like Nelson says, you know, opportunities will hunt you down if you have the capital, if it's yes. if it's readily available. Plus, you're looking for those things because you know you've got something there on deck to take advantage of something if it does come up. So if you have it all locked away in retirement accounts, it's just you don't have those same possibilities. Um, uh, so just a lot yeah. of things there that, that you guys have mentioned too, that I wanted to throw out kind of how we're going to be using them. So I love that. I cannot, I cannot tell you how much I love what you're sharing. And I think, you know, if every person could grab a hold of the value at the youngest age possible of starting an infinite banking policy for themselves, how much better off would they be when they finally have these realizations? I mean, I wish that I had started way before we did. My husband and I got married. We had the one-term policy. It was worth $50,000 on him. Of course, at the time, I didn't think I needed any life insurance at all. And then later, as we come to came to this awareness, we realized we should have been funding whole life insurance on both of us the second we had cash flow, but we weren't thinking that way. And then if you can just look at how much more power you're giving to your kids to have something that started before they were able to come to that realization themselves, you're not only giving them the cash, you're also giving them the tools to be able to use it well. And just to take it another step further, one of the things that my husband and I have done in our estate planning is to set up guidelines so that if we were to pass away much earlier than we hope, I mean, we both plan to live well past age 100 and be able to have that full lifespan to invest in our kids' lives. But if for any reason our death benefit needs to pay out a lot sooner than that to our kids, we have directed then that it be used to purchase additional life insurance. So we're using this perpetuating cycle to say, hey, we really think that this is the foundation for building wealth. Use it to have that, as you said, replenishing capital. And you know the death benefit's always going to be more than you've ever paid in in premiums wherever you are on the timeline of that policy. So if you had multiple generations thinking this way, just think about the kind of wealth that five or six generations past you could walk into and be able to learn how to steward. I think that is just a tremendous responsibility that we have as those that have become aware of infinite banking and the power that it has in our own lives, what capabilities we can create for those coming ahead of us or behind us, I guess that would be. 
So yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, so, it, I feel like I'm missing out or, or, or forgetting to mention some of the benefits of it because there's so many of them. So many things I've came across, discovered, eye-opening moments or reading a book and, and hearing somebody else's angle on it. So, which is the reason why I wanted to share today with you guys too, because it's like every, you know, a lot of the interviews you guys have had have helped me kind of open my eyes to certain things you can do with it that I didn't even know before. Um, so I feel like I'm missing on a few things, but I think just the fact that you can store your money in a liquid place, have the death benefit on top of it. You're not going to lose that rental insurance, so to speak, over the next 30 years when it when you try to get a new policy for, for term insurance and it's mm-hmm. 10x as much as it was before, you're not going to have that problem. Um, you've got all the riders, the long-term care benefits, different things with it. You have income capability from your policies down the road. You have liquidity along the way for opportunities and business opportunities, whatever. There's so many benefits. I feel like I'm missing out on a few, but you guys do a good job of going over those on your podcast episodes. So I'm sure that you'll, you'll cover those. So Rachel, what I the way I wanted to go in a slightly different uh, direction now that we're uh, been doing this for a while is I'd really like Wes to share you know kind of his journey and how he with our business owners how he he built his business how he continues to innovate and what kind of trends he sees because you know um, you being a, a effective internet marketing person what kind of things could you share with some of our listeners business owners in that realm to help them with their business? Well, you know, I think blockchain is coming in and going to shake up a lot of things. I don't know exactly how that's going to look in the next five years, heck, three years to, to, for that matter. Um, but right now, you know, search marketing is still pretty hot and heavy. You know, a lot of people still go to Google or they go to Bing Yahoo or a search platform and they do a search for the service that they need. So we're still focused heavily on search marketing. Um, you know, for people's web presence, because that's where the majority of them uh, go, you know, whereas in the past, before the internet became dominant, it was, you know, you get a yellow page book, you open it up, you look for a tree service contractor, plumber, whatever, and you call a couple and you're done, you know, you get people to come out. Nowadays, those just kind of get tossed in the recycling bin or used to start bonfires or whatnot, if they still get those in the mail. So people go directly to Google, either on their phone, or they go on their desktop, or, you know, they're looking for ways to kind of solve their issue on the internet. So that's kind of where it's at right now. And and where it's kind of going, I think is more voice activated search. So a lot of people are, you know, using their voice apps and different things like that to do similar type searches that they used to just maybe type in. Um, I think some metaverse stuff is coming down the road, which I have no idea how that's going to look uh, with regards to search marketing. Do you think you're going to need uh, tree services in the metaverse to trim the trees in the metaverse? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah a virtual tree service <laughs> company in the metaverse. Yeah, keep down on the uh, the foliage out there. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to look, to be honest with you. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how all these things are going. I'm, I'm a little bit into crypto uh, which is one of the ways that I do take policy loans here and there. Um, if I see an opportunity that I think is a viable opportunity in the crypto universe, then I'll I'll make an investment with a policy loan or something like that. But I never want to jeopardize my cash that's coming up for upcoming premiums. So I definitely will take a policy loan for something like that. So, but yeah, as far as the internet goes, I think a lot of it's going voice search, and I think things are just going to continue to evolve. But for now, it's you know a lot of this is just you know it's still kind of like it was five years ago. It's a lot of search. Uh, a lot of different things like that. Now with all this Facebook stuff and privacy acts, I'm not sure how all that stuff looks with like retargeting and things like that on the internet. But um, yeah, right yeah, now that, everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like that retargeting, there may be a a, a, a mega shift in that, right? Um, mm-hmm. As far as- Tracking uh, people's movements. Tracking people, stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that'll so. be very, very interesting how that goes. Well, how I mean, obviously you have a target market. I don't know how many- tree service people are going to be listening to this podcast, but 
Um, is there anything else as far as your value add that sets you apart from other, you know, effective marketing, internet marketing people in your SEO? Um, I, I, I presume you're doing SEO optimization and so on and so forth. Uh, how do you, how do you get, I guess you get it through, uh, marketing strategies on the other internet, but how do you uh, get your clients and, and so on and so forth? Any tips you can do for our business owners? Yeah. I mean, I think just having a really good website, if you're a service oriented business, it doesn't have to be a tree service business. You can be a plumber, you could be a doctor, you could be a roofer. It doesn't really matter. If you're a business owner and you've got a business, I think a good website that just showcases your business, showcases the people, the, the trucks, your branding, your logos, uh, and, and calls to action on the website with a call now button, you know, get a free estimate or contact us. Just make sure all that stuff is highly visible and it works really well on a mobile device. We really focus highly on mobile search optimization because about 75, 80% of all searches on the internet now are mobile device, right? So mm -hmm. if it's not good on a mobile, uh, quite frankly, it's just not going to convert as well as it would. So we focus heavily on that. And um, we've got a few other business owners that I work with from our legacy agency before we kind of niched into the tree service business, but you know, uh, we help them just kind of get their internet marketing right, get it all focused in and their branding focused in so that when people do a search online locally for tree service, tree removal, land clearing, forestry mulch, anything like that, uh, they're going to get found. They're going to get that opportunity because somebody's going to click on their ad or their website and they're going to call them to come out for an appointment. So you just want more of those. And that's what we help do for our clients and our customers. And we also pride ourselves in just good old fashioned customer service. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said about that now. We, we answer the phone, we answer emails. Uh, there's so many faceless agencies out there and companies. I mean, I just went through it with Zoom actually, mm -hmm. um, where I got fraud in my account and the fraudster closed my account after um, you know, running up a lot of charges, thousands of dollars. And so then I couldn't yes. even get any help with Zoom, couldn't get anybody on the phone. It, it was kind of a nightmare, right? So a lot of these companies are trying to automate everything, but I think you can automate too far. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to take pride in customer service on our end, and, and I think we do a pretty good job of it. That's excellent. I think there is nothing like good old-fashioned values and customer service and being good to people and doing what's right. So, I mean, I think those values translate to any good family that wants to be sustainable, translates to any business that wants to be sustainable. And Wes, I just really love you sharing what you're doing with business. And I love that tree service companies can trust you to be able to bring them the exposure and the visibility that they need to be profitable. And there's so many different types of businesses. I mean, a tree service can only work locally. So you've got to think differently if you're a business that is working across the US or across the world. And so there are probably differences per industry, but I think there's some relevant tools that can be used by any business. So, so Rachel, you're saying you can't do a Zoom call and cut down a tree? Uh, uh, you know what? That would be interesting. You just have to have good internet being up that high, right? Yeah, I tell you what, with COVID, it, pro it provided some challenges for a lot of our clients. It, it, it really slowed down there when it first hit. And mm. uh, Right afterwards, they literally, every company that we worked with, and I heard it around the industry, they were more busy than they ever had been in the past because after the lockdowns kind of you know came out. And the great thing about it, we actually were blessed to be in a niche and a business niche that was outdoor work, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the indoor companies like plumbers and HVAC and stuff like that, unless it was a complete emergency, they just didn't have a lot of business because people don't want people in their house. Mm -hmm. Whereas with tree work, it's outdoor. So a lot of them still were able to sustain that first 30 to 60 day lockdown period. But 
yeah, it's, it's changed a little bit. People do more, you know, virtual estimates. They'll do more picture taking and stuff like that. So it definitely, you have to evolve, I think, in any business. And so everybody's, seems like everybody's working from home now too. So, you know, things have changed. Yes, that's awesome. Well, Wes, I love that your financial system in your life is helping to fuel and fund and support the business and the family goals and mission that you have. And there's, they're synced together. I don't know if synchronous would be the right word, but they're they're working together. They're um, mutually benefiting each other, your financial life and your business life. And I think any person listening can recognize that there is so much value in choosing to think differently and not just do finance the way that everyone is taught to do finance that doesn't really work for a business owner that's continuing to grow and create a legacy and create something for their kids that didn't exist to begin with. So thank you just for sharing with us and with our listeners, the powerful journey that you've been on. I think it's tremendously valuable. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 And when I say valuable, I mean, valuable to you, valuable to us and just valuable to anyone who's listening to hear why you are making these decisions and the level of research that went in to you feeling really comfortable. I think that's something that's really important to point out too, because Mm -hmm. if you're going to make decisions with conviction, you can't just listen to one video or one podcast or get one quick answer and say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this because it's really a commitment and you want to do anything that you're living out in your life truly with conviction. And so Absolutely. Go get Nelson Nash's books, especially Becoming Your Own Banker, especially Warehouse of Wealth. And those are a really great starting point, but continue to educate yourself. And there's there's that balance between saying, well, I have to know everything before I get started. You can't do that. Otherwise, you'll never get started. But you also don't want to jump into something and just say, I'll, you know, I'll just trust someone else. Really, you want to be able to trust that you know why you're doing what you're doing and continue to educate yourself along the way and continue to evolve just the same way a business does, the same way that you're adding policies, the same way that Bruce is adding policies, we're adding policies in our family as well. And it's not something that's just a one-stop shop. It's not a one-time decision and never think about it again. It's something that's part of your life. Yeah. And I, I want to say that, you know, you know, make sure I get this out there before we, we get off. I'm not sure how much time we have, but it's uh it's one of those things where everybody, I think, kind of relies on the corporation they work for and tell them, hey, look, this is what you ought to do with your money. Well, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily saying that doesn't work, but if you kind of look at history and you look at some of the downfalls in the stock market and different things like that, I mean, when you need the money the most, you want to make sure it's going to be there and it's going to be efficient. And so I'd say just looking at alternatives and really doing that research yourself is going to give you that confidence that you're doing the right thing with your money instead of relying on somebody else. Because I can't tell you how many times when I had my 401k or anything else that was tied to the stock market, just just how like anxious I would be thinking about, okay, all this, this pool of money I've got over here. And then you see it dip 20 or 30% or whatever, and you feel helpless and hopeless because you don't really know what to do to eliminate or avoid that, right? You mm-hmm. just don't know what to do. And then the fees on top of it and things like that that are ongoing. And, and furthermore, if you need money or if you need to borrow some out of there, you, you get kind of a lecture uh, from the, the financial company that you call that you want to pull the money out of. Hey, are you sure you want to take that out? Now's a good time to keep it in there and put more in. You're like, well, I just lost a lot of money. I don't know that I want to put more in there, but I need to borrow for this or that. And so I think just having that control and knowing why you're putting your money in these accounts uh, and these, in these policies and paying the premiums and not being afraid to capitalize them as much as possible that you know, once you get started with it and you get comfortable with it, you just wish you would have started earlier and you wish you could just continue to pay more into them because you're going to be able to get all that money back and then some. 
down the road when you need it for passive income. So I just think don't be afraid to capitalize. Um, you know, get started sooner than later. Uh, start multiple policies. You know, once you get one going, get another one going, um, and just keep on going with it because ultimately down the road you're going to be glad that you've got them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think that's a great that's that's Nelson Nash himself talking right there. This is probably yeah. a great a great uh, time to wrap up the episode. Mm-hmm. And Russ, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know your time is valuable, and I just I just really appreciate you taking the time and. And, um, you know, we might ask you to come on in the future again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed discussing it and sharing because, like, like I said, previous episodes you guys have had, previous previous guests have helped me kind of unlock certain ways I can use these policies and do different things with them and stuff like that. You know, so it's um, keep on doing what you guys are doing. I enjoy you guys' podcast. I've got it on my podcast player. I download ones that, you know, that I, that I want to listen to, too. And um, so thanks for having me on. And yeah, I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Wes, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for getting out the word. Thank you for what you're doing in your family. It's really an honor to talk with you and have you as a client. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.